Michael Smith, um, welcome to the Last Post podcast series. Um, we're sitting here at the Sun Theatre in Yarraville, a beautiful surrounds with a lot of uh, history to it. Um, can you tell us your background with this? I believe you're the owner, you run it, everything else. What, what, what's, what's your connection with the Sun? I came um, across this building back in the mid-90s. Uh, my wife and I were working in a business where we actually uh, made cinema equipment. I, you know, my, I use my engineering to uh, design cinema equipment and we um, we needed a bigger factory and I just thought, oh, God, Tilsoap factories are so boring. I'd love to uh, find one of those old cinemas that's all around town. And, you know, most of them, like on the other side of town in Richmond, they'd become carpet warehouses and furniture storerooms and all of these things. But uh, I met this... A lovely old guy called Brian Davis, uh, who still lives around the corner here in Yarraville, and he's—I uh, met him at the Nova Cinema, and which was being built at the time. And he said, "Oh, you've got to go and check out the Sun." You know, he worked there in the '60s, and it's there. But I came, and I just discovered this amazing building. When was this? So this is 1994, right. and the building had been empty for 18 years. It was absolutely abandoned, and I crawled in through a hole in the back wall. It was so bad that it even passed in at auction uh, at some ridiculously low price. And I, and I came in and I just fell in love with this beautiful old Art Deco space. But there's a, a short... Luckily, I filmed a bit of this um, because that was kind of what I do. And uh, this footage, just when I look back at it now, we actually turned it into a short film. It's, it's just appalling. There's sunlight coming through the roof. There's uh, graffiti everywhere. There were squatters living in the building and I found about 30 different little spot fires around the building where they'd actually been burning the floor to keep warm. (laughs) So it's just incredible the whole place didn't go up. But that's what brought me to the Sun Theatre back in 1994 and uh, anyway, we bought it and then started a very long, what I would call home renovators approach to fixing it up. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Excellent stuff. So the, the history of the sun is one that, um, I mean, I, Claire and I have been here a number of times and we've, we've, I've noticed some of the movies you've got on. There's a lot of great stuff. But beyond that, of course, you run Screens Without Borders. Is that right? Have I got the... Oh, yeah, that's right. So that came out of, we, look, we've always loved doing outdoor movies. So even before we were running this place yeah. properly, we'd actually show movies in the street out the front. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we and uh, so we'd close the road and put on a movie. Never get permission, just close the road, you know, park a car at either end, as you, and, do. As as you do. do back yeah, in the day. Yeah. And, uh, but that led us to many, I think 13 years ago now, or 14 years ago, we found ourselves in East Timor, uh, looking at uh, some cinema uh, work and decided that the best thing for them was to have traveling, uh, like an outdoor traveling great. cinema. Yeah, great. Yeah, and so we started doing that and when we, couldn't kind of work out how to fund it we just decided to do it ourselves so we employed a few locals up there and sent them the equipment we had some initial help from people like toll and steve brax helped kind of open a few doors for us and that's something that we very proudly are still doing today and it so how does that actually work michael if you just give listeners a so we so we literally have a a a troopy up there uh, with a inflatable screen in the back and a projector and some speakers and, uh, and and a couple of locals that we employ, uh, we employ them year round, even though we can only do it in the dry season. 
and they just literally go from village to village and they blow up the screen, usually on the soccer pitch, and because every little village has a tiny school and a soccer pitch. So that's where they'll usually set up the screen. And it's amazing because these villages, uh, some of them don't have power, uh, so some don't have TV, but uh, there's not many times that the whole community will actually come together to do something together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the great, the great ability of, of movies, film, to bring communities together, which is one of the great attractions to the media. Oh, look, I think so too. Yeah. To, to me, community storytelling is really special. And when you're in one of these tiny villages, and you know, maybe there's only 100 people there, but you'll see four generations sitting together you know there's you know old pop and then there's down to you know little babies sitting there watching the movies together anyway so we just go from village to village doing that during the dry season uh we've since set up a permanent outdoor location in dilly uh which is called beachside cinema and that's um kind of just helps support the whole program uh we and then people started saying to us look it's great what you're doing in timor but what about australia what about papua new guinea and then we thought, okay, well, and I, you know, we kind of have this idea that we'd love to take it out through the Pacific. We have so far gone to Papua New Guinea and the Northern Territory. Uh, that's as far as we've gone in the future. I would love I was, to take yeah, it further. I was going to ask what made you think of East Timor, but this whole thing, the, the whole area. It really started with East yeah, Timor. Yeah. yeah, the whole area is probably right for what you're doing. Um, and if you ever need um, some assistance, let us know because we'll be up there in a flash. I can run the magazine from East Timor, and Claire would love to hang <laughs> and do some work. So yeah, oh, it's yeah, an amazing yeah. country and such mm. good people. So yeah, and I know, you know, so it's amazing how many service people you meet who who actually served up there That's and right, have yeah, a yeah. really soft spot in their heart for, for East Timor. It's interesting you say that too, Michael, because a lot of the service people that have been up there that I've spoken to through the magazine. Uh, do have a love relationship with East Timor um, and some of them have been have got some great stories themselves to tell about that and what did you had you been to East Timor before the idea came to you or was it something that no it actually the way it started was a part of my business uh, since I left uni is that we consult on cinema setting up cinemas so we've done that in regional towns in Australia um, across the world and we got asked to go and look at could we build a cinema in, in Dili? Because when the Indonesians left, they burnt everything, including the cinema. So we went up to look at that, but very quickly realised that with an average wage of $120 a month, like Timorese people weren't going to be paying $10 to watch a movie. So we uh, we thought, but at, at the same time, you know, we could see there was a need for it. So we, we said, look, I, why don't we just we, we've got some outdoor cinema equipment uh, and your dry season is our winter in Melbourne so why don't we just send it up and and give it a go and so we did do that and we thought there would all be about Dilly because that's where the big crowds were but the thing that amazed us was we'd put a screening on in Dilly and you get a couple hundred people come and they seem to enjoy it but but there's plenty of other things to do in Dilly. Uh, and then after doing, in, we had a three month pilot season and we just had a few nights where we went out to the districts, but we had a night where 2000 people turned up where you couldn't move on the soccer pitch. There were so many people. Wow. And that's when we realized, oh, okay, we need to flip this around. Mm. And so now we, we screen in Dilly only two or three times a year and the rest is out in the districts. Wow, and, and what have you found about East Timor that you didn't know before or its people since you started this whole thing, Michael? It must be a great educational um, exercise for you as well as the people of Timor. Oh, look, I, 
I very quickly fell in love with the place and you know a country that's been through so much turmoil yet the people remain so positive and I do keep thinking about East Timor especially over the last couple of years because the way we've responded to the plague in, in Melbourne especially you know has been so tormenting and everyone is so just exhausted and worn out by it yet I I keep thinking you know the, these poor people in East Timor went through so much yet they stay so positive perspective and yeah. and I think I've really Two things I often think is, one is uh, their native language, Tetan, doesn't actually have a word for stress. There's literally no translation for the word stress. Wow. So the idea of um, this is all wearing us down a bit, maybe we need a moment, doesn't actually mm. even occur to them. Mm. But uh, when my son was doing, you know, like all kids do their work experience in year 10, uh, my son and uh, his best friend went up to Timor and spent a week with our travelling cinema as their work experience. Mm. Uh, I would say life-changing moment for them. It really helped bring a few things into mm -hmm. focus for both of them. Uh, they've now both got a strong, both in their mid-20s and have a, a very strong connection to the country. But, you know, the first question we asked them when they got home was, well, what was your strong impression? Like, what's your one takeaway? And it was, they've got so little, yet they're so happy. And, and that's it. You go out to the... You get out of Dili, you go out to the region, you, you visit a family, uh, you know, so we went to visit the staff, the family of our staff who work for the cinema. This huge grass thatch hut where the floor's elevated so that the pigs and chickens can be under the floor mm. so that the heat of the animals comes up through the floor at night. And, uh, but you had four generations of one family living under one roof. Yeah. And of course they're, they're making you lunch and, and, and offering you their food and and just so eminently happy. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too, because that you'll find a lot of indigenous um, people around the world have this same thing. I remember being in Fiji once and seeing some natives there and, and speaking to this American guy and saying about the poverty. And he said to me, well, you know, man, he said, they're not, they're not, they don't see it as poverty, you know? And it's true enough too, becoming friends with the locals there. And the same, this, this outgoing of joyfulness, their little patch, the vegetable patch, the ocean that's their thing and I think again it's interesting you say that about stress because your movies would would be part of a de-stressing situation if there ever was such a word for it in Timor it's something that a lot of people enjoy so look it's definitely joyous and 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 maybe you summarize is they 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 focus on what they've got rather than what they don't have yeah exactly right an important memory important thing for all of us um so with the hope that this can also expand into the Pacific and beyond um, is great news for a lot of people, obviously, and uh, we'll continue to follow that. But now tell us, Michael, you've done a few things in your life too. I had heard that you'd um, actually flown around the world with... What, 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 I know so little <laughs> about that. Tell me about that. I know, that is kind of a weird one. Yeah. I... Uh... Look, since I was a kid, I was fascinated. As a, as a kid, I lived in England, uh, away, away from my family. I went to live with my grandparents for a while. And so as a teenager, I became, uh, and I sailed since I was, I think, eight years old. And from a very early age, I wanted to sail around the world. Sailing's good. Yeah. And I, you know, always thought, oh, one day I'm going to sail around the world. But as I got older and older, I thought, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ever going to have time for this dream. And I know it's just a matter of making the decision, but I couldn't see it coming. But I came up, you know, with this idea of, well, you know, you know, we're also always so worried about how busy we are. And I mm -hmm. thought, well, if I haven't got time to um, sail around the world, maybe I could fly around the world. And so I started thinking about that. And then I thought, 
I got very fixated on them, the story of the old flying boats and I decided that I was going to retrace um, the first uh, flight which, from Sydney to London which left from Rose Bay in a flying boat and uh, you know, uh, hopped along mm, from, right, from yeah. river to lake. Um, and uh, I think we did a 19... story on that. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. 1938, yeah. it went from taking six weeks by sea to yes. only 10 days by air. <laughs> I mean, I just love that concept. So I decided I wanted to retrace that journey. Now, the only problem was I didn't have a pilot's license or a plane. And so I like literally just thought, okay, I want to do this. And then started this long years of process. So like one day, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to just make this plan. So I got my pilot's license and I... Uh, then I got myself this little, uh, a tiny little two-seat uh, seaplane. And, uh, you know, then a few late, years later, all of a sudden was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to do it. We'd finished, we'd finished the development project here at The Sun after, by, the, um, by like 2014, we'd finished... So it nearly it took us nearly 20 years from buying the building to actually finishing our entire plan of expanding and adding screens and all of this. And both of my sons had just had gap years at uni and I kind of thought, well, where's my gap year? I, I never got to have that break. Exactly. So yeah, I, um, I planned this two-month break to fly from here to London and my wife joining me at the end, uh, which was going to turn into a three-month trip. Yeah. So I set off and I did it and it was amazing and everything I wanted it to be. Oh, look, um, you've got me wanting to hear so much more about this, Michael. That's that's uh, that's an adventure in itself. We talk about screens without borders, but we talk about this flight that you did. Now, um, how do people access this information? You have a book? You what? Oh, yeah. So, look, I did. Yeah, I did. So, um, I think just to, to cap off that story. So, I got to London and loved it so much that my wife convinced me, well, you've always talked about going around the world. You better keep going because uh, she was smart enough to know that if, that if I came home, yeah. then I'd just start planning the next trip. Yeah. So that two-month trip turned into a seven-month trip because getting around the world turned out to be a lot, lot harder. So, But if people would like to know more about that, uh, I did end up writing a book uh, and uh, there's a documentary about it. So if you go to uh, southernsun.voyage, uh, southernsun.voyage, there's a website yeah, okay. there and you can uh, read about the trip but also... Uh, there's a book and a movie that you can access. Oh, and we still show the film. Yeah. It was just on last Sunday. Oh, I think about every yeah. second month we show it on a Sunday here. We must we must make a date to come and see that, and that would be a great adventure in itself, reliving that experience. Um, what's next for you? Well, we're plugging away, trying to rebuild the business here. So we uh, cinemas really suffered in uh, during the lockdowns. Obviously, uh, we were. First to close, last to reopen uh, during most of that time. So, and, and there's no doubt that the plague has changed people's habits. So while the big films are, you know, we're seeing crowds coming back, like Top Gun's been amazing. And, uh, and luckily Elvis yeah. uh, has also really connected with crowds. Yeah. A lot of the smaller little films are, are struggling and we're, we're seeing a, a lot of the audience still seems to be a bit hesitant about mm -hmm. coming back. But I think... It's not so much that they're hesitant, but they're out of the habit. Because yes. I think even yes. even my wife and I used to religiously go out for dinner every week. Just and nothing or not always something flash. It might have just been, you know, the local Indian, the local Thai, whatever. But we just always went out one night a week, and we've just totally got out of that habit. And it's not that we 
we're worried about going out. We're just out of the habit and we need to just give ourselves a bit of a prod to get back into exactly. it. Exactly. I think there's a lot of things with COVID affected people get out of the habit of doing things. We go to the cinemas, we see movies, but of course there is that reluctance, I guess, and that's why you talk about genre movies perhaps suffering more than the big names. Mm. And I think there was this, they were talking about that the other week and about how the big the big movies are bigger back bigger than ever but but it is the the genre movies and the boutique type that are suffering a bit because of the covid or the continuing reaction to that so there's so much that we i i think i'm probably not alone in this in saying we may continue conversations in the future with you michael because I think perhaps our next chat, if you can spare the time between what you're doing and everything else, and it's a brilliant thing that you're up to, I tell you what, perhaps we can talk about in a bit more detail your flight around the world, what you experienced and what uh, you may have learned from that, and, um, and perhaps even more about East Timor and Screens Without Borders, because I know that listeners and readers would be of great interest to them. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, look, I would love to do that. I've just got back from East Timor again. There's always great stories. When are you going told. back? Well, actually, I'll be back in uh, September. We started a few years ago. We started the Dili International Film Festival. Brilliant! So that's a, a great way to, you know, uh, bring the world to Timor. Uh, but in my last trip, uh, I, I flew myself up and visited uh, all nine airports in Timor in one day. So <laughs> there's lo- lots of things to talk about. Uh, Fantastic! So yeah, let's when's think. the yeah? When's the Dili International on? Oh, so that's from the 28th of September through right. to mid October. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll try and get up there. Um, in fact, I know we probably could, but we'll talk about that too. Michael, it's been, Michael Smith, it's been an incredible chat, um, and um, we will continue this. We might do stages two, three, four, five, and six. <laughs> uh, just an excuse to come and catch up some, some good movies and hear some good stories. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for appearing with The Last Post. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.